From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to Jesus. It's so good to be back on with you. Do you remember me? I just, a couple weeks ago, I... I left town just in time to see the GRN team uh, have to manage the entire Sherathon without me. And I hear they did a record-breaking job. Praise be to Jesus for that. And I wasn't even here to be a part of it. Uh, maybe that was fortuitous. But uh, I'm so proud of the team here at the Guadalupe Radio Network. And for all of you who donated to the mission, the apostolate, to keep the doors open, the lights on, and Catholic radio waves flowing across the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is growing, by the way. Which I've been gone for two weeks, and I'm the only guy here. So I don't know if they've publicly made this announcement, so I won't spoil it. But there's good news about the Guadalupe Radio Network expanding into a new market. Praise be to Jesus Christ for that. Uh, Tim Mott is off today. So is David Magianis. So it's the, the, the intern, apparently. Uh, Teresa Kamara is on her way. We have Brent Haynes today. He is a, a political commentator, religious liberty and pro-life activist, and an attorney. And we're going to be speaking about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the possible appointment of Amy Barrett, a Catholic mother of seven, to the Supreme Court. All of that is on the show, plus much, much more. But let's turn to the headline news. According to CNN, storm surge and debris already present along Gulf Coast as Storm Beta takes aim at Texas. Tropical Storm Beta is turning off the coast of Texas with winds of 60 miles per hour as it takes aim for a potential landfall Monday night or Tuesday morning. A storm surge warning is in place from Port Aransas, Texas to Cameron Parish, Louisiana, where two to four feet of storm surge is possible. The Trump administration is coming down on Iran following the country's latest threats to peace in the Middle East. On Saturday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced the U.S. will reimpose all United Nations sanctions on the nation. The administration has been a staunch opponent of lifting restrictions on Iran. According to officials, the nation has not held up its end of the Iran nuclear deal. After a postal carrier was shot, Chicago postal workers threatened to stop delivering mail because it's just too dangerous. Chicago postal workers have hinted that they could stop delivering mail because some neighborhoods are too dangerous. The threat comes shortly after a young postal carrier was shot in Chicago while on the job. Back on September the 10th, 24-year-old was shot in a drive-by shooting four times. Authorities don't believe that the mail carrier was the intended target of the shooting. Law enforcement intercepts a package of deadly ricin poison mailed to President Trump. According to CNN, the report, a package of deadly poison was intercepted at a mail facility earlier this week. Quote, the FBI and our U.S. Secret Service and U.S. Postal Inspection Service partners are investigating a suspicious letter received at a U.S. government facility. At this time, there is no threat to public safety, unquote. The Washington field office of the FBI said in a statement, 
The package was intercepted at a secure off-site facility, but it was addressed to President Trump at the White House. The Bobcat Fire is now one of the largest in Los Angeles County, uh, scorching more than 100,000 acres. It is one of the least, uh, one of at least seven or 27 wildfires currently burning in the state, where 26 people have died and 6,100 structures have been destroyed since fire activity picked up in August. The California Department of Wildfire Protection said in a news release on Sunday, nearly 19,000 firefighters are battling the blazes. The Bobcat Fire had burned more than 103,000 acres and was 15% contained as of Sunday night, according to the update. Also, a firefighter is killed battling a blaze started by a botched gender reveal party. A firefighter in California has died in the El Dorado Fire, the wildfire that started earlier this month from a pyrotechnic device used during a gender reveal party. The U.S. Department of Agriculture said in a statement that the firefighter, who has not been named, was killed on Thursday. President Donald Trump has given the deal between TikTok and Oracle and Walmart his blessing. His administration confirmed the deal this weekend, which will keep the video sharing service from shutting down. Oracle will now host all data affiliated with American users. The company will also get at least 12% in TikTok, while Walmart will be able to claim up to 20%. Quote, they'll be hiring at least 25,000 people and it will most likely be incorporated in Texas, unquote, stated President Trump. Quote, it'll be a brand new company. It will have nothing to do with China, unquote. The deal will also provide a $5 billion to the U.S. for the use of educational purposes. It is expected to take effect on Sunday. Archbishop Corleone, San Francisco mass restrictions are mocking God. Catholics in San Francisco marched in Eucharistic procession across the city on Sunday to protest the city's continued restrictions on public worship. Quote, for months I have pleaded with the city on your behalf, advocating for your need of the consolation of the Holy Mass and the consolation you derive from the practice of your faith and connection with your faith community. City Hall ignored us, unquote. Archbishop Salvatore Corleone said in his homily at an outdoor mass following the processions September the 20th. He goes on to say, quote, It has become clear to me that they just don't care about you. We have been patiently putting up with unjust treatment long enough, and now it is time to come together to witness to our faith and to the primacy of God to tell the city no more. San Francisco's restrictions. Worship remain among the strictest in the country. Mayor London Breed announced last week that starting on September the 14th, houses of worship may have 50 people at religious services outdoors. In addition, indoor private prayer is allowed, but only one person at a time is allowed. Breed also said the city will allow indoor services up to a maximum of 25 people by October the 1st. This is, Corleone has noted, less than 1% of the capacity of San Francisco's cathedral. Catholic Amy Coney Barrett, frontrunner as Trump signals Supreme Court nomination plans. President Donald Trump on Saturday signaled he would soon nominate a potential replacement to the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died Friday evening at 87 years old. 
Judge Amy Coney Barrett, a Catholic mother of seven, is widely reported to be the frontrunner in the president's deliberations regarding a nominee. Barrett, a federal judge on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, is reported to lead the president's shortlist, as was also a contender for Trump's second Supreme Court nomination back in 2018, before the president nominated Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Pittsburgh Steelers captain Marquise Pouncey wears name of slain police officer on his helmet. Pittsburgh Steelers center and co-captain Marquise Pouncey said earlier this week that he was, quote, unaware of the whole story, unquote, about the team that the team was honoring. They put a name on the back of his head of a young man who was shot by police after his involvement in a drive-by shooting. Pouncey said, quote, moving forward, I will make my own decision about what to wear in the back of my helmet, unquote. For Sunday's Steelers game, Pouncey made his decision to pay tribute to a fallen police officer. Pouncey, who wore Rose's name on his helmet in week one of the week one game before learning about possible involvement in a drive-by shooting, wore the name of Eric Kelly on his helmet this week. Eric Kelly is one of three police officers who were killed and two others who were injured in a 2009 standoff in the Stanton Heights neighborhood of Pittsburgh. Quote, some of the wounded officers remained for a time where they fell because other officers could not reach them with bullets continuing to fly over their heads. Unquote. According to Diane Richards, Pittsburgh police officer spokeswoman, she goes on to say that the... Uh, Fallen police officer Eric Kelly said, quote, tell my wife and kids I love them, unquote. He told this to Timothy McManaway before he passed away. And that is the name worn on the back of the helmet of the Pittsburgh Steeler Marquise Pouncey. And those are your headline news for September the 21st, 2020. As best as I can get them out when Tim Mott is... Uh, no longer uh, yeah, on the show today. Praise be to Jesus Christ. He's got the day off because of Sherathon. And our saint for the day is a man I'm sure that you've never heard of before. Because you're probably thinking, well, it's probably St. Matthew's Day, right? No, it is not St. Matthew's Day. In fact, it is, uh, well, it is his saint day. That's true. St. Caddick of Lancarvan. Have you ever heard of St. Caddick of Lancarvan? Probably not. Probably not. St. Matthew is much more famous, being an apostle, of course, writer of the first gospel in the sacred scripture. Praise Jesus for that. But everybody's going to talk about him today. But St. Caddick of Lancarvan has an interesting story. We're talking 6th century in Wales. You know, our favorite uh, little country within a country there, Wales. There A lot of consonants, not enough vowels going around. He was the son of a saint. He was the, uh, his father was a king in Wales, a robber chieftain, nonetheless, who led a band of 300. Seemed pretty uh, common for the day, back in those days. And uh, in fact, his mother, who was also a saint, St. Gladys, she had been kidnapped by a neighboring chief. He was also the brother of a saint, St. Gluvius. A lot of saints going around. How many saints are in your family? Your mom, your dad, your siblings, are they all saints? Well, St. Caddick of Lancarvin had a whole family of saints. Well, his father once kidnapped or stole the cow from a monk. And then when the monk came back to, to claim his cow, to demand the return of the cow, his father said, that is a sign. 
So he sent his son, young Kadok, to be the pupil of this monk. And this monk uh, taught uh, the young man to uh, in the faith and to education, and he studied in Wales and Ireland, and he was eventually ordained a priest. Praise be to Jesus. Once he was being chased, Father Kadok was being chased through a wooded area by a neighboring enemy tribe. Uh, an armed swineherd was chasing him through the wood, and he took a little hiding spot. But in the spot he he spooked up an old gray wild boar and this old boar charged him three times well uh, like his father he took this as a sign and because this was like a trinitarian sort of formula the the, the three charges he said this is the spot i'm going to build a monastery and he did. And this became the Monastery of Land Caravan in Wales. The house became renowned for the monks and their learning of the faith and their holiness. Legend has it that uh, St. Connick once helped uh, save his brothers from famine by tying a string to the foot of a well-fed fat mouse. And then he followed that string and it led to an underground granary. A fully stocked underground granary, which St. Connick used to feed his brothers in the time of famine. And then, of course, there was another great story of the time there were highway robbers that were plaguing the people that he served and helped to minister to. So he and his brother monks went out to confront the highway robber men with, with clubs? No. Swords? No. Absolutely not. Instead, they used harps and singing and chanting. And it scared the highwaymen off. Praise be to Jesus. He lived as a hermit with St. Gildas on the island of Flatholms and Vans in Brittany. He established a monastery on a small island just off of Brittany, joined by a stone bridge so the young school children could come and learn the faith. He eventually returned to Britain to evangelize and work with Christian survivors of the Saxon raids. But eventually he was himself martyred, dying for the faith. In fact, he was saying Holy Mass when the Saxons broke in and murdered him at the altar. St. Caddoch of Land Caravan. Pray for us. Praise be to Jesus Christ. And uh, because uh, the team isn't here running solo today, I, I, let's pray the memory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Real quick before we uh, turn over to, uh, I was going to say St. Teresa. <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, again, I'm, some saints are late. I'm, I'm elevating you to the to the to the canon there a little early. You've got <laughs> yes, to earn I'm not it still. Dead yet. I you definitely have a ways to go. <laughs> I, I wanted to say real quick again, thank you to everybody who participated in last week's record-breaking shareathon. I wasn't there. I was, you know, uh, in uh, I was in Montana on a mission trip. I'll tell you more about yeah, that. Yeah, I want to hear about that. I saw the pictures. Ooh, nose to nose with the grizzly bear. Whoa. Fires, snow, ice, mountain passes. Okay, the grizzly bear I made up. I want to hear about the else fishing, though, too. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> a great story. It was a mission trip where I served uh, uh, to help to serve 50 men up there in uh, Montana, as well as deliver some supplies to the uh, Blackfeet Indian Reservation to Father 
uh, Joe Paddock. So great stories there. But I wanted to just say thank you to everybody who participated in the share last week. Praise be to Jesus Christ for your generosity. And uh, also, we have some Fishers of Men dinners coming up in Alabama, Midland, and in Houston. I would highly encourage you to get involved in these events. Great way to not only be a part of our community, but also further support the apostolate, the work that is growing. Good news there, growing. You can find all the details at grnonline.com. grnonline.com. Teresa Kamara. What would you guys do for the last two weeks? Oh, gosh. Um, well, Dave did a fabulous job of holding down the fort, and um, he definitely gave me more leeway on, on the first <laughs> round, and I was, like, so surprised that I was, it was, it was a great gift to be able to talk a lot about the pro-life movement um, on another, on another level, and also to be able to interview um, a lovely lady who is in charge of the National Singles Conference. So that was really fun. And then also, actually, last week, I wasn't able to join because of my work schedule. So, really? Uh, so Tim and Dave held it down, and then they were reporting. I heard a thousand people called in. I know. Yeah. And so it was, it was very exciting to hear that new record. And I, and I have heard the announcement. Uh, about the brand new studio and the brand new... They did announce they it. They did announce See, it. See, this whole time I've been like, and Toya I have something it. to tell you and I can't because uh-huh. I didn't want to spoil it for others. Yeah, Toya actually announced it on her birthday, so that was awesome hearing everyone call in and, and on her birthday um, right before the launch of share And so, so yeah, it's been it's been an awesome, awesome two weeks, but it's also been fascinating to watch your travels. Um, it <laughs> definitely wasn't awesome on the same level. Uh. And, I, and I was kind of laughing at my this morning because I was like, wow, this morning of all mornings is the day that my tires have a problem and so I need to fill them up with air, <laughs> which is nothing compared to the problem you ran into oh, yeah. out in the middle of nowhere oh, yes. Yes. and God came in and sent you a mechanic. <laughs> so we, there was, yeah, we bought it. We battled so much. We're going to have to like, some of this we'll talk about in the after show. When we go off the radio, we stay on social media. We'll probably carry some of this over there, but because there's a lot of headlines to cover mm-hmm. today. But yeah, so we had to deal with fires. Like that was crazy. Like the sky being filled with red smoke. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's a little intense. And then there was a, a freak snowstorm that we were trying to like get to some place so and we got stuck <laughs> with five inches of snow the kids loved it yeah the my snowman. wife was biting her nails the oh. whole time the mount the high mountain passes the the high revving of our van like the breaking down of some things in the rv that we rented none of that gave us great uh confidence but then but then but then on the way home a hundred miles from a, just about anywhere <laughs> I pull over because there's this every five seconds when you're in Montana or Wyoming, you're like, whoa, wow. And you're just like the whole time. It is beautiful. It's just epic and yes. grand. There's a God and he created this incredible creation and it's so beautiful. And so every five seconds, I'm like, I've got to pull over. We're taking another picture. I'm like my grandfather, right? Mm-hmm. Taking 87,000 pictures of everything. And I pull over, and then we take this beautiful picture of this. Uh, we were just coming out of the Tetons, and this epic landscape, and this mountain. And it was just so gorgeous. And then I go to get in and throw it back in drive, and then the stick shift is completely limp. And, oh. and, and we're like, wait, wait, what? But I got nothing. I got nothing here. And I couldn't put it in drive. And we're in grizzly bear country in the middle of nowhere. And it, my wife was really getting nervous. And so I got out, looked under the van, and lo and behold, the stick shift was disengaged from the transmission. Oh, wow. A hundred miles from where we got to be. 
By the grace of God, there was a perfect stranger waiting for Moose to come out of the tree line. <laughs> <laughs> and there he is. And, my, and I, I, I'm a man, right? right. So I'm not going to go ask him to like help fix my truck. Oh, wow. No, I'm like, I'm going for my toolbox and I'm about to go, you know, duck. To, I bought Gorilla Tape just for this purpose. I was going to Gorilla Tape that bad Larry back together. Okay. And by the time I got around to the where the van is from, from the back with the toolbox was uh, my wife had already negotiated the deal with a stranger <laughs> this was, is why men get married <laughs> he was already under my car <laughs> he's like you got a tire wrap i go yes i do and i had two tire wraps you're prepared and he tie wrapped it back together and we limped a hundred miles through bear country and darkness and my wife's nervousness all the way to Lander, Wyoming. God bless your wife. And by the grace <laughs> of God, we, uh, we made it there. And, uh, I, and I ended up getting back under there and throwing some, uh, wire around it. And we made it all the way back to Houston, you know, with, uh, with duct tape and, and tie wraps. Well, part of being, what is it? Leader, protector, provider <laughs> yeah. is also being able to ask for help whenever it's time and, and okay, getting Okay. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Hey, by the way, since we are Lone Rangers today, the, the team is off because they have a well-deserved day off from a great share of They definitely do. Teresa Kamara, I'm going to ask you to man the uh, social media and to switch cameras because the whole time our audience hasn't seen your lovely face. And are, we have a guest on the show today. We'll announce, we'll introduce him at uh, 830, but his name is Brent Haynes. He's a political con Commentator. He's a religious liberty and pro-life uh, activator, activator, activist is what I meant to say. And he's a good friend of mine. I haven't seen him in a long time. So I thought, what a great excuse to uh, connect with him again is to have him on the show to talk about the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, 27 years, I think, in the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of argument and controversy about the timing of her passing. Uh, there's even a story out by NPR about how she wished, she told to her grandchild, her granddaughter that she wished that uh, Donald Trump would not replace her. And, uh, and yet here we are, uh, looking at a possible nominee this week for the Supreme Court with just weeks to go before voting, uh, of, uh, of a, a short list of people among whom it seems like the, the best or the number one contender for the spot is Amy Coney Barrett, who, uh, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, Catholic mother of seven, and according to Diane Feinstein, the Catholic dogma lives loudly within her. So we'll be talking about all of that later in the program with Brent Haynes. Uh, but there's been a lot of stories in the news this week, and I know you came well prepared to discuss some of them. So uh, what's going on? So as far as like the Supreme Court options, you know, we have we know that Trump has actually put out now 45 different names. But he is he came out as of Saturday and said um, that he would be able he was planning to nominate a woman to replace Ginsburg. And so I was looking over the list of names of women and it was fascinating to me how many pro-life options that there are. Of course, Amy Barrett is is definitely taking a lead as far as popularity, being a mother of seven, um, being someone who has just risen up through the ranks. And Amy Howe with the Scottish Blog actually did a fabulous piece on her um, and was also interviewed by Catherine Hadro on Pro-Life News Weekly. Um, also, I was fascinated um, that he did pick Sarah Pitlick, um, who was very involved with the David Delighting case. And so hopefully we'll be able to see someone who is super pro-life. Um, of course, 
We do know that he also has um, someone like, um, I'm going to try to remember which one it is, because I apparently didn't put this in my notes. There was one woman who actually did study um, under Justice uh, Anthony Scalia, but she did not, oh, Joan Larson, but she did not um, really agree with him as far as law and politics. So you can study someone's law and not and format and not agree with their procedures. And so it's very important for us to be praying right now for wisdom and discernment, uh, as, as each of these are assessed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I think we need to go ahead and continue to pray for, uh, Ruth Ginsburg's soul, uh, for, because the reality is we don't know like we have no way to judge her soul. We can look objectively at her work and see how much damage it caused and see how much good it did for uh, women or how much bad it did for women as far as the way that she went through the law and how she interpreted the law. But I think it's very important to continue to pray for her soul because um, we I know from the Sunday reading, like there were people who were called into the field at the last hour. You know, was she called at the last minute that we're maybe going to find out about later on? You know, we, we can always pray and pray for her family. And so um, but. Moving forward, we're going to have people who are contesting whether or not um, Trump can even push a nominee through. And I would love to hear from Brent Haynes. I want to save a lot of that for how is that possible and, and what are the repercussions? I want to yeah. leave a lot of that because um, Brent Haynes, a lot of people don't know this. He is one of definitely one of my sources whenever really? I'm like, I don't understand I how this pro-life thing works. You definitely <sighs> did. You found my source. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's my favorite guy to argue with about politics. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited. He's been on the program before. It's just been a long time. So, you know, I was searching for a great resource, someone to commentate, to give us some great context about the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the court. We know she's a liberal, but kind of give us more context there. And then talk about what it, why are, why the stakes? Like, the stakes seem very high. I listened to a lot of commentary over the weekend about this, and so we're going to discuss all of that. But there's a lot more at stake, I think, than just a pro-life cause. Absolutely. Right? So, uh, the, I mean, just the vote itself seems to be high priority for the Republicans. Well, part of the challenge that we're dealing with, and this is the thing that I know is my this is my personal opinion, but like, as far as would we actually get a vote on a Supreme Court if everyone's contesting who won the election? So if there's such so much tension around actually having a legitimate vote, if we don't have a Supreme Court justice in there, even if they're pushed through a lame duck session, then... You know, are we going to suddenly freeze all of our legal system for this? Yeah. And so, so to me, there's, there's much more at stake, even if you like the idea of Biden picking someone. Um, and I don't know, based on his choice of Kamala Harris, that that would necessarily be a good, a good option because I mean, Kamala Harris, for crying out loud, I mean, she, she was, there's, there was a fabulous, um, report put out by, um, Catholic vote that outlines 14 reasons Catholics should not be voting for Kamala Harris. And one of those that I, that, hi, that highlighted to me was her fact act of 2015, where she actually wanted pro-life pregnancy centers to um, have to post that they do not do abortions um, in 46 point font in all of the major languages. And the reality is if that goes throughout California, they didn't specify what were the main languages or whether it's the legal main languages. And in San Francisco alone, there's over a hundred languages spoken. Would there be enough wall space? 
you know, would there be enough wall space in a crisis pregnancy center to be able to comply with that? <laughs> and so fortunately, the Supreme Court struck that down and, and it's not going. But we had a Supreme Court to be able to do that. And so I think it's going to be very important for us to just continue to pray and uh, continue to pray the rosary and and be aware of of what all the political tensions are and just weigh things as they are. So look at it realistically. <laughs> We're running around here because, uh, you know, uh, I've had to remember all of the, uh, the, the the moving parts of a radio program. You know, I've been very spoiled the last uh, couple of years with Tim Mott and David Magianis helping out. Uh, you know, like I could just keep going and they'll solve all the problems in the they background. Do, they do a lot so in the background. Today should be gr- uh, Producer Appreciation Day. Absolutely. We remember <laughs> uh, radio producers everywhere today. And thank you for your great service. All the people in the back scenes that make everything happen. I, I can almost hear the voice of a uh, thank you, radio producer guy kind of voice you know (laughs) like i I can hear the music in the back of my head right now because there were some folks uh that were saying that the audio was not working on the live video feed by the way did you know we do live video across facebook youtube and twitter and most of the time there's no technical problems because we have producers available today there was a glitch i think we fixed it though uh praise be to jesus christ that's all set but uh great show today brent haynes is going to be our guest here in just a few minutes we're going to go to break we're going to come back and we'll be discussing that did you hear uh uh, jim caviezel Mm -hmm. He's got a couple of movies out. Uh, one is The Sound of Freedom. I, I would ask my audience, please, d- dear listener, would you do me a favor and pray? Say a little Hail Mary. I'm trying to get Eduardo Verastegui on the show. That would be awesome. I talked to his agent on Friday. And uh-huh. so I'm trying to get it lined up to get him on the program. I think I'm going to be more passionate about that film than Jim's other film, which is Infidel which is a movie uh, about a blogger, Christian blogger in Iran who was kidnapped mm-hmm. and tried for, uh, you know, for treason or whatever. I mean, I'm sure it's a great film, and that's the one he's getting all the press about. But it's the Sound of Freedom one that I think I'm more passionate about, which is the story of a man who went to go save children from sex slave trade. That would be awesome. I want to promote that film, and I'm trying to get Eduardo on because he's one of the producers of the film, to share about that. So I'd be grateful for your prayers for that. And Jim has been uh, outwardly talking about, uh, you know, the clergy and their need to be uh, speaking up and defending us for our freedom and access to Holy Mass. And Bishop Corleone in San Francisco did that Eucharistic procession yesterday, Mm -hmm. and that was amazing. So we might be talking about all of those stories and much more in the after show today when we go off the air and we stay on social media. But Brent Haynes, attorney, uh, pro-life and religious freedom activist, political commentator, up next to talk about the Supreme Court. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason, but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 
Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. As family, we have a duty to pray for each other, and we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. Hey, Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. If you have an old gas guzzler you want to get rid of, the Guadalupe Radio Network would love to have it. To donate it to us, you can either call 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Again, that's 888-784-3476 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate. Even better, we'll come pick it up for you and give you a tax receipt so you can write it off. What a great way to help others and support the Guadalupe Radio Network. May God abundantly bless you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McLean. And uh, God is good. It's great to be back in the seat. It's great to be back on the program. And it's great to be hanging out with you this morning across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Don't forget to hang out with us in the after show when we go off the air at just about 9 o'clock this morning, Central Time. Uh, we'll be off uh, the radio side, but we'll be on social media for another half hour to discuss all the topics that are being put onto the show today. So that's the after show. And I've got good news. We're going to be coming out with an update to our mobile app, and it's going to be even better than it is today. I'm so excited to roll that out in the coming weeks. You can download our app at, just go to your app store, iOS or Android, and look for Guadalupe Radio Network. It's free. You can stream instantly your local radio station. You can find podcasts of this show and all of our other shows. You can get contact information, all kinds of information, right there to search for the Guadalupe Radio Network on iOS or Android. Joining us right now in studio is my good friend, old friend, uh, Brent Haynes. He's an attorney political commentator, religious liberty, and pro-life activist. Uh, good morning, Brent. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. Praise be to Jesus. It's good to have you back on the show. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, you only come for, like, the good news. <laughs> right? The, the, the uh, easy you must stuff. be confusing me with somebody else, You Joe. know, uh, God rest Ruth Bader Ginsburg's soul, right? We entrust her to the immortal wisdom and, and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, we pray for her repose and for her family and for their consolation during these difficult days. But but it's also high stakes. It is very high stakes. Um, and the timing uh, is such that you would have think this is a Hollywood major motion. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. If 2020 were a, a, like a drama television series, uh, previously on 2020, the CCP virus has killed many people. And then there's the, the, the protests and the destruction of cities. This week, the Supreme Court justice dies weeks before election. Yeah, I, I mean, Hollywood couldn't write a more compelling, dramatic script. Yeah. Um, and of all of the justices, of course, she was the one that, you know, people kept an eye on the most because of 
known health concerns. It went back many years. But she hung on for a long time. I think she battled cancer five times. She, like this she, was she the fifth did. Round. She was Se- a very pr- resilient times. woman. I mean, uh, God, God bless her. Right. She, uh, look, she uh, was a real and still is a real hero to the political left. Um, probably the best way to understand uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is um, she was and is to the political left and to political and legal liberals and progressives uh, what Antonin Scalia was and is to legal and political conservatives, um, but really even more so. You know, yeah. she, she had a genuine fan base. Um, and they people, were friends, by the way. Scalia. And they were very good friends because yeah. they were able to put aside their political and legal differences. They shared a love of opera. They yeah. were friends for years. Even before they were on the U.S. Supreme Court, they were on the uh, D.C. Circuit Court together. Wow. But she was, uh, uh, she was just a real hero to the political left. And that's why uh, – that's one reason you see the outpouring now, the mementos that are being left as a memorial in Washington, D.C. at the Supreme Court. Um, now, there would have been a political reaction anyway mm-hmm. because of the importance of the Supreme Court in, in our political system. But people would line up for her autographs for years. You know, she commented that she was in her 80s and people were asking for her autograph. She <laughs> went by the nickname. Somebody came up with a nickname for her, Notorious uh, RBG, as a ripoff on the uh, reference to the rap singer, right. Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> Notorious uh, RBG. She, she, uh, she, uh, there's a character on Saturday Night Live, I and mean, she's immortalized in skits on Saturday Night Live that you can yeah. mm-hmm. you know, go and watch on YouTube. She was a real champion of the political left. She made her name as an advocate for what was then called sex discrimination or an end to sex discrimination. And today it would be called gender discrimination. That term really hadn't come into, into vogue yet. Um, she was a co-founder of the ACLU Women's Rights Project and then its general counsel starting in the early 70s. She argued six times at the U.S. Supreme Court. She won five. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most people... You know, I'm almost 60, and it's it's hard for me even to remember this era in America. But um, she was in her 80s, and she grew up at a time where there were only a handful of women at Harvard Law School, for example, when she went wow. there. No and kidding. she got no job offers. Um, <laughs> so the first case she took up at the Supreme Court involved a, a an officer in the United States Air Force who was a woman who did not get a marital Married, uh, a married housing allowance really? the way men did. And we look at that and we say, well, of course that's unfair. Right, you of know, course. The, gov- yeah. the government so provides this benefit to, yeah. to mm-hmm. men, not to women. It says if you're married. And, and that's she, not all that long ago, really. It, mm-hmm. Well, it, it was, well, you know, speak for yourself, Joe. It was 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> almost hey, I'm a, 50, I'm a grandfather. Ago. I'm but, a grandfather twice over now, so I'm feeling it. Well, there you go. But <laughs> that's how she made her name. You know, she went on to a, a, a string of victories mm. uh, as an advocate for women's rights and getting the court one step at a time, not all at once, but one step at a time, modeled on Thurgood Marshall's uh, civil rights litigation strategy to stop Jim Crow and other discrimination against blacks, uh, she designed this strategy to go one step at a time, and she believed there was more in- enduring changes really achieved that way in a society like ours, and that's something for pro-lifers to consider in terms of litigation strategy and political strategy. Wow. But she won five out of six cases at the U.S. Supreme Court, and uh, that's pretty good. At least one commentator has noted that really her greatest successes weren't on the U.S. Supreme Court, where she was often, uh-huh. fortunately, in the minority, <laughs> but uh, when she was an advocate 
for uh equal treatment of the sexes, and that's not to say that I or all of us would agree with her in all of those cases, but she was a very good advocate, and a lot of those you look back, and, and it's, in, in retrospect, you know, it just seems like a no-brainer, um, but she achieved her name, and her greatest success is probably, as has already been noted, as an advocate before she got on the Supreme Court. Mm. She served on the D.C. Circuit Court, which is the second most important appellate court. Uh, in the United States and the eyes of most legal observers. It's right there in Washington, D.C. She served there with Antonin Scalia before she went to the Supreme Court in 1993 with uh, President Bill Clinton's appointment. Mm. Now, I, I was listening to Senator Ted Cruz, who is on the short list, from what I understand, of uh, Donald Trump to be uh, nominated to the Supreme Court himself. He spoke highly of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, because he, he argued in front of her, I want to say, six times. Uh, so he had a lot of experience uh, in front of her as a Supreme Court justice and, uh, again, spoke highly of her. And yet the stakes are very high. And there's the obvious case of uh, of both the pro-life cause and, you know, the speculation of whether or not Roe will be uh, walked back or or even the defense of traditional marriage between a man and a woman. And how did she fare on both of those issues? Well, we can admire her educational and professional accomplishments without necessarily endorsing right yeah. the substance of her views. I mean, uh, Antonin Scalia, as we noted, was her friend, and uh, <laughs> you know they, they rarely agreed. Uh, she believed in a, an expansive Constitution. She believed in an expansive reading of the Constitution and in an expansive government. Mm -hmm. um, she was on the wrong side of every abortion case. Uh, Everyone. She supported... Um, she supported, uh, you know, partial birth abortion. Wow. Um, so, um, it, she had a tremendous intellect, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of professional accomplishments, but in the substance of the issues, uh, she was just on the other side of what most of us, especially, uh, those of us here in the studio and our, our listeners, uh, to a large extent, uh, would simply think was wrong. Uh, Teresa mentioned the California case from just a few years ago where the state of California wanted to force uh, pregnancy centers that help women avoid abortion put in disclaimer language in their materials. And it was clearly designed to make it difficult or impossible for pregnancy centers to operate. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't just a pro-life issue. You know, it's important not to put our blinders on, on, on legal issues and in, in cases when it comes uh, even to the pro-life issue. That, that was also a free speech issue. Mm. And unfortunately, she was on the wrong side of that. You know, it would have been very easy for, I think, a more principled jurist to say, um, look, I've taken this position of supporting, you know, women's reproductive rights, as they say, um, in previous cases, but this case also involves the right to free speech. I'm going to stand for free speech. And uh, the liberals on the court didn't do that, and she was one of them. Uh, she, uh, Her biggest victory probably on the U.S. Supreme Court, one of the most famous, was a case that involved Virginia Military Institute, which uh, up until that case only accepted men. Mm -hmm. And it received state funding, received taxpayer funding from the state of Virginia. So she authored that opinion. But from the point of view of the substance of the legal decision she voted on at the Supreme Court, fortunately, she was often uh, more like you know more likely to be on the losing side, and that's why another one of her nicknames that you'll see sometime is the dissenter, or you'll see the slogan "I dissent," uh, which of course you know every judge writes all across the country when they write a dissenting opinion. Hmm. But she um, she was um, she was fortunately in terms of substance 
usually on the wrong side of that 5-4 balance. And because it's just one vote, as you said, uh, there's a lot at stake. And that's why we're seeing such a tremendous uh, and, and just uh, extraordinary reaction to, to her death. And the poor woman is, you know, they haven't even had her funeral yet. One of the things I don't like about politics, okay, there's many things I don't like about politics. But one of those many things is sort of like the uh, the the front, right? The uh, the surface level Hallmark greeting card. Uh, you know, our, our, p- politicians must think we're really uh, imbeciles. You know, to to think that we don't understand the power politics and the the chess match that's going on here. You know, uh, on the Republican side, I think it's obvious that Trump understands he needs a full Supreme Court because, in his in his view, and many of the view on the right, the left is going to try to hijack the. Election through uh, the mail-in ballots, and it could very well go to the Supreme Court as it did under uh, Bush and Kerry. And we had a major issue under that. It could be ten times worse here. So he knows that if it goes to the Supreme Court, it's a gamble as to which direction Roberts is going to go. And if he goes liberal, that could really spin this whole thing down in a tailspin. So he wants a full Supreme Court. And the left is acting like, oh, it's, you know, we should always wait this close. We should always wait for the next. Yet uh, Justice Ginsburg herself said in the last time she wanted uh, the president to, to make that decision. And so it can't, we act, we, it's like we act on the surface, like we say these platitudes, like as if they're like, uh, like we don't really see through them. They're, they're, it's a thin veneer. And the reality is there's a high stakes uh, chess match going on here and uh, between the right and the left. And it seems like what we've seen in 2020, like this could go really bad. What would say you, Brent Haynes? Well, you know, we know our listeners know that, um, you know, there's a higher authority and, and there are more important issues at stake. But um, in terms of politics and our society, our civil society, um, this is as high as the stakes get. Yeah. Um, it, it Bush v. Gore in 2000 went to the Supreme Court. Came down to one oh, vote. Oh, it was Gore. The, I said Kerry. The yeah. state. Well, he the, Kerry was four years later, but fortunately, yeah. in terms of political stability, not as close. Uh, the state of Florida came down to less than 600 votes. You know, think about that. We have a we're a country of 300 plus million people, and look at how razor close our elections. And are. we were dealing with razor with chads, hanging chads, yes. and you know, Florida by 600 votes in 2000, and it went to the United States Supreme Court. Um, states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania last election where, you know, the state with millions of people voting or uh, a state is won by maybe 15,000. Mm. And actually what you bring up is probably one of the best arguments for filling the seat now, which is that if there is a contested uh, election, what happens if now there are still some answers uh, but what happens if it goes to the Supreme Court and it does split along ideological lines? Uh, and ideological, you know, doesn't always mean wrong. You know, it could just mean different judicial philosophies. But what if it splits four to four mm. and there is no tie-breaking vote? That's one of the best arguments for getting somebody on the U.S. Supreme Court now. And briefly, the other answer is if that's not decided ultimately – goes to the U.S. House of Representatives. Every state casts one vote. Every state gets one vote, not every member. Every state gets one vote. And uh, right now, it looks like, um, it doesn't look like the way it is right now, um, the uh, party that has more pro-life members, more members of who believe in religious liberty, uh, carry a narrow majority in the House of Representatives by, by the count of the states, even though 
they do not hold a majority of the House itself. Interesting. But uh, now the, the the Democrats of uh, Nancy Pelosi in an interview, I think it was on NBC. She said she's got a whole bag of tricks. She's ready she, to, to to employ. So we just, we just don't know how this is going to go. We don't. And she's like, she, they've already raised the issue of impeaching. President Trump again, or Attorney General Barr, and the idea that you would impeach a president for fulfilling his constitutional rights and duties yeah. is absurd. Now, the argument for not filling this this vacancy now is the argument that most people are making, which is we're really close to an election. We ought to just go ahead and wait and let the people vote in a new Senate or one third of a new Senate and see who wins the presidential election. And that has an appeal to a certain extent, to, to a basic sense of fairness. But, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself in 2016 uh, commented on this. And just to remind our listeners, in 2016, President Obama was in his last year of his eight years as president. Uh, he appointed Merrick Garland, a federal circuit judge. He appointed Merrick Garland to be uh, the ne- to serve on the United States Supreme Court to fill the vacancy. Mm. And the Senate was not in the hands of the same political party as the president. Now, and Mitch McConnell said no. And Mitch McConnell and, said no. And he uh, said, Graham said and, no. We're not it, wait for the next pre- wait for whoever that gets voted on. It, but, but in all fairness, Obama had to be voted out. Like there was no chance of him coming back. That versus, isn't it. Versus, right. you know, you have a fact that Trump could continue. Which goes to, to my point I said earlier for. about the thin veneer. It's all about, uh, you know, making sure that your side gets the best, most powerful chess move. And I think it just it kills me that we say these fluffy things on interviews. And the reality is there's a lot at stake here. It's a major power play. And let's not kid ourselves. Both sides are, are angling for for that power play. Um, we have about uh, just under 10 minutes left. in the, We have about nine minutes left in the program before we go off the radio. I want to pivot before we lose that time because I want you to comment on the short list of of contenders. Yes. Amy Coney Barrett uh, seemingly being at the top of that list, although I've not heard anything from the Trump administration specifically that says that uh, she is the nominee or the top, but everybody seems to think she is. Catholic mother of seven. She's a charismatic in, in her spirituality. She is Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, and she was the one that Diane Feinstein said uh, the, the Catholic dogma lives loudly within this and one. And she goes to which, Daily Mass. Which was like the trending meme for like weeks on, on uh, social media. Yes, and, and you know, God bless... Amy Coney Barrett for you know facing that inquisition and it really brought out uh, the anti-Catholic prejudice that is just undeniable in our society. You just don't you just don't hear about it that much. But because that was a circuit court nomination hearing, the media had to cover that story. Mm. And you're right. She you know she said the dogma lives loudly within you, and that is a concern. Um, Senator Dick Durbin at the time asked whether she was a quote-unquote Orthodox Catholic, <laughs> and he criticized her for using that phrase, saying, you know, it disparaged other Catholics who had different views on abortion or, yeah. or, um, or capital punishment. Um, Amy Barrett, Judge Barrett, um, has voted, you know, many times to follow the law and not interject um, her own personal opinions, which is what she said she would do. Um, she voted to let an execution continue uh, in the federal criminal justice system uh, somewhat recently. Uh, she was a law professor at Notre Dame when this started. She was only put on the court uh, be- 
this is 2020, so President Trump took office in 2017. She was put on the court and took her position just a little less than three years ago. Mm. She's only 48 years old, uh, which, uh, you know, these days, judges, they, they appoint judges younger and younger to the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm waiting for them to appoint a brand new law school graduate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but funny. she... Um, she describes herself as an originalist, so she's a real hero to uh, traditional political followers, people who want a you know more traditional uh, founding in, fathers inter- constitutional interpretation of the Constitution, yeah. not an expansive living, breathing document uh, interpretation of the Constitution. Uh, but she's only been on the court for you know three years, really slightly less than three years. Now, on the other hand, you know John Roberts was only on the court for two years, and he was made chief justice. Yeah. He was only on a, you know the appellate court for two years, uh, although he was a couple years older. And sometimes these other candidates will have different experiences that are more involved with litigation, such as working in the Department of Justice or working in the Solicitor General's office. Well, and she also she also um, is uh, highly achieved in her writing skills, and that's one of yes. the things that that. Uh, President Trump had asked for is to focus in on someone's writing skills, she, and that's because, did, and that I would imagine that's probably because it affects precedence for the future as far as people, mm. the opinion, the dissenting opinion, because people can actually set precedence within the opinion, which I only learned about recently. At least that's my understanding. So, didn't she also clerk for Anthony Scalia? Yes, she did. She did. She was a Scalia law clerk, uh, and yes, she was a she was a very accomplished and prolific writer. Uh, the issue of writing. Um, and writing for uh, law professors write for law journals, which, by the way, Sounds most people intriguing. don't know, are edited by they are edited by <laughs> law students. Really, oh. around the country, uh, so it's an ironic situation. But Sounds like indentured your, servitude to me. Getting your uh, law journal published at a prestigious law school, getting your law review article published at a prestigious law school, mm. um, is very important in academia. It's one way they count success. Um, but writings, whether you're writing actual opinions as a judge because you're a judge somewhere, or whether you're writing academic articles like Amy Coney Barrett did as a law professor, you know, it, it's a catch-22. On the one hand, uh, presidents and senators who are looking to put people on the U.S. Supreme Court want to know what their record is because they want to know what they're going to do because once they're there, that's it. Yeah. On the other hand, the longer the record, the more the political opponents can dig through it and try to find something to complain about. And that's what they did with an article that Amy Coney Barrett uh, had written, co-authored, only co-authored years ago, mm. on the death penalty and whether or not a trial court judge who opposed a death penalty should uh, – how a trial court judge should deal with the issue of when the law says he has to certify – a uh, death sentence, mm. uh, and she answered that question. She said the judge should recuse himself or herself, uh, and that's where Dick Durbin and Senator Feinstein and others came out and criticized her because she wrote on this very narrow legal mm. issue, which is what law professors do. But Joe, there is a uh, a uh, a new candidate has emerged of late. Okay, and that is Barbara Lagoa of Florida. Mm-hmm. She is the You've daughter of, of Cuban parents who fled Castro's Cuba. Oh, wow. And she has, uh, she served, uh, she served for several years on the floor in the Florida appellate courts. Uh, back in January of just last year, 2019, she went on the Florida Supreme Court. And then about nine months later, she got nominated for the federal appellate circuit that covers Florida. That's the mm. southeastern United States. That's the 11th Circuit. And she has been on that court for 
just less than a year. She, she'll be 53 years old this year. She hasn't even had her 53rd birthday yet. Oh, wow. But probably most of your listeners know Florida, as we've already referenced more than once in this conversation, uh, is a critical electoral state. Mm-hmm. And one line of thinking is that if Barbara, Le- if President Trump nominates Barbara Lagoa, that will help put uh, on the political side, that will help President Trump uh, in the election in Florida. Just a couple of minutes left in our program across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're going to stay on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can join the conversation there. Uh, just go to facebook.com forward slash GRN online or search for us on the other platforms by searching for at GRN online. Where we've been talking with attorney uh, Brent Haynes. He's a political commentator. He is a religious liberty and pro-life activist. And we're going to continue this conversation in the after show in a couple of minutes. But with uh, about a minute and a half left in the program, Brent uh, do, do you think the president is going to nominate a female just because he's replacing a female? Uh, what are your quick comments on that? Well, briefly, he has said he's going to. It's almost de rigueur in the society. You're certainly That's not going to get another white man with the identity yeah. politics we have today. Uh, but to go back to something just very briefly uh, that uh, Teresa touched on at the beginning of the program, it's not at all clear that there are the votes to get a nominee on the Supreme Court at this point. President Trump's political party has uh, a bare majority in the United States Senate. Uh, two, Senator Collins from Maine and Senator Murkowski, another woman senator uh, who is from Alaska, have already both come out and said that they want to wait until after the election. Senator Romney from Utah uh, is a, uh, at best, sometime ally of the president. And there are many senators, including some on the Judiciary Committee in the United States Senate, where the critical hearings occur, who are up for, for in very, very tight races for re-election. Okay. Uh, Jody yep. Ernst from Iowa, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina is yeah. the chairman of the committee. All right, let's hold it there. We'll continue our conversation after we go off the air across the Guadalupe Radio Network for the after show. Thank you, Teresa, for coming in, despite yeah. your car troubles. Yeah. Thank you, Brent Haynes, for commentating on the uh, situation with the Supreme Court. We'll, thank you. We'll continue this conversation in just a few minutes. And dear audience, thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Guadalupe Radio Network family. Especially thank you to everyone who donated during last week's share record-breaking share And I'm noticing the coincidence. I'm not around, and then there's a record that's broken. I'm just connecting dots. <laughs> but uh, we're grateful to you. Be sure to go to grnonline.com and get connected today and share the word about the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's radio for your soul. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next time right here on GRN Alive. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. Hi, I'm Dr. Kyle Everline, a prisoner at Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville. Our office is a proud sponsor of KTH 910 AM, and we fully support the mission of Catholic Radio and how it positively impacts our community. We live our faith at home and at work, so if you're in need of dental care, we would love to serve you and your family. You can visit us online at midcitiesdental.com or call us at 817-282-9321. St. Apollonia, pray for us. Blessed be God. 
Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.